Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. Hey, uh, this is not going to be a happy clappy message. Just so you know, we're going to be talking about um, how you can go through the valley of the shadow of death and what God has for you in the middle of that. Uh, I think there's going to be some hope and encouragement for you in that. But we want to talk to you because we live in a broken world. Don't have to tell you that. And all of us go through valleys. And all of us go through times when it's hard and it's difficult. And I want to bring you something that I hope can be really applicable for you to kind of grab a hold of that and really grow and, and see what God has for you in the middle of that. When I've been with you over these last few weeks, I've been talking to you about the trouble with Jesus. And the trouble with Jesus is nothing with him. It's kind of our thing, right? Is that we have sometimes made these pictures of Jesus that are incomplete and insufficient, and he wants to become more for us. And not more for us in a way that we have a, like a head understanding, but he wants to become something in us and through us. And, and you can see there are, are seven I am's that he has that he says about himself that are um, not things about him, but who he really is. And he says, I am the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the door. We talked about that last time. Everything goes through him. He's the good shepherd. And uh, there's his goodness and his mercy follow us. He's the resurrection and the life. That's what we're going to talk about today. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he's the vine. And all of those things are significant parts of who he really wants to bring into your life. And he doesn't want you to know more about him up here. He wants you to actually be, he wants to come inside of you and have those things become a part of you and that you live your life out of it rather than you do a religious thing. And there's a really big difference between those two things. And I think as we move into the, this sort of post-pandemic, you almost hesitate a little bit when you say those things, right? <laughs> Uh, as we move into this new season, I think this is what God has for us as a church. One of the things is that there is something more of himself that he wants you to get. And he wants you to get it, that you can live out of it, and you can really have it be part of who you are. You know, I was looking at a survey recently of a whole bunch of churches across mostly the states, and it, and it sort of pattern that was really, really interesting, is that most of the suburban churches, which is kind of like what we are, uh, they would see Jesus and talk about Jesus mostly as an example. And they would see Jesus as kind of like, well, you know, I need a boost to my mental health. Or, you know, I'm struggling a little bit with a person. Or those kind of things. And Jesus was a boost to them. When they surveyed a lot of the inner city churches and people that had nothing... They talked about miracles, the resurrection of Jesus, the power of Jesus, who he really was. And as you begin to think about that, you understand, right? Jesus is not your boost. He's either everything or he's nothing at all. That's what he's trying to work inside of you. Now, that's a journey for all of us, but he is looking to say that I am more than just this little bump up that I give you when you're struggling. I am your life. 
and he's in the midst of it, and he's actually kind of relentlessly chasing after us to say that we're going to get it. And so we're going to, we've bounced off of Psalm 23 and then gone to look at Jesus. So we're going to go through verses 3 and 4 just to kind of get us going there. And he says this. He restores, David says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Hey, could you read those words for me? For his name's sake. First thing that's really important. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now Psalm 23 is to be painting a picture for us. You and I are going to go through the valley. And what he says is, it's the valley of the shadow of death. And any good movie that's trying to scare you, they won't show you the whole thing, right? They'll just show you the shadow. It's like, ah, because your imagination is way worse than the real thing. And you just think this is the shadow. And, And David is sort of doing this with this psalm for us. He goes and he's painting a picture because you and I walk through valleys. And if you've lived any time in your life at all, you know that there are valleys in your relationship. There are valleys in your emotional health and your mental health, sometimes really dark valleys. There are valleys that you have in your finances, in every part of your life, and you feel like you are in the shadow of death. And that's the place where God wants to meet you. And that's the place I want to talk to you about. He says, though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and he says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's the, the pivotal point. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, your rod and your staff are kind of like his guarding and his guiding. Your staff protects you, and uh, the, the rod sorry, protects you, and the staff sort of cares for you. And he has this whole picture that he's painted in Psalm 23 that says, I want you to get something. I want you to get the sense of, as my follower, that I am wanting to build something into you where my presence... God's presence in your life becomes one of those things that helps you no matter what you're going through. And it's not a, a theological construct or an abstract idea. I, I, was, I was, one of the guys that I listened to is Tim Keller. Anybody else listen to Tim Keller? Really solid, he, he, he preaches and teaches within the university setting in New York. And so he's like, well, he's brilliant guys. You have to read everything like three times that he says. Because, or at least I do anyways. And, and Tim Keller recently came down with pancreatic cancer and he's going to die. Unless God kind of reaches in and does something. And uh, he's a Presbyterian. And so when he says, God told me something, I went, oh! Because God doesn't usually talk to Presbyterians. <laughs> now I'm in trouble. Um, and he said, you know what, God told me this. And he, and he laughed because, you know, he, he knows the joke. He said, your faith is too abstract for the life that I want you to live for the last part of it, however long that is. You need to have something where you are more dependent on me. I went, oh. You know, guys, here's what I would like for us, that we don't have to have a death sentence hanging over our head to get that. That God is my life and I need to depend on him and he actually has that same call over life for the things that you're going to move into in this next season he wants you to understand 
that I am with you in the middle of everything. And your circumstances, the, the things that we strive for to give us comfort are like, like health and circumstances and all the things that our families are working out. None of those things are actually the things that are going to ultimately do it for us. And he, those words come back to us. He says, I am with you. That's where we get our comfort from. Did you notice the words at the end of it? He says, that's where our comfort comes from. So what does that look like? Let's take a look at uh, a story that you're going to know from John chapter 11 where we talk about Jesus. And he kind of unfolds something for us. And and as we're coming into Easter, this is a a great story for that because the the story is the resurrection of Lazarus. And most of you will know that, that Jesus was late for three days. He waited until Lazarus wasn't mostly dead he was completely dead, right? And he waited until the time was done, and then he comes to this place, and, and probably his closest friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, comes to Bethany to them, and uh, he has this encounter with Martha. And I want you to cut Martha some slack, because she has just lost her brother. She is in the valley of the shadow of death. And these are the words that come, and I want to unpack this for us, and I hope like, you can find... Just real, real life for you as you go through your valleys. And, and this, is, this is Martha, when she's just met Jesus, says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. There's a point there, isn't there? Now, what she's doing is probably just speaking out of emotion and hurt and frustration. And, but I want you to think about that. Who is Jesus to to Martha? If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Oh, okay. Jesus isn't just the good friend that pops by for supper. He's he's the guy. And then she goes on and, and says this, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Now this is what I think. I don't know how you see this story. I think she's just speaking out of her heart. I think she's crying, she's lost her brother, she's in absolute despair, and these words just sort of tumble out of her mouth, and says, like, even now, whatever you ask, God will give you, and there is a resurrection possibility that begins to flow out of Martha's mouth, even though she doesn't even know it yet, and there's a resurrection possibility in every one of your circumstances that God wants to begin to have stirred up inside of you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now you and I know the story, so those words would seem amazing, right? But here's what she said. Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. You know what those words are? Churchy words. It's things that you hear and you go, oh yeah, yeah, well I know. That's supposed to, like, somebody smacked me with the Bible. I'm supposed to feel better. I put on my happy church smile. Because she missed the thing that intuitively came out of her heart. Her circumstances were dragging her down, and she just couldn't get it. And and then comes the the phrase that that is going to change everything. And Jesus says to her, and these are the words, every time you, the seven times that you see this in the New Testament, you're supposed to stop because you're on holy ground. And he says, I am. 
I'm not going to give you an example. I'm not going to give you a boost. I'm not going to give you, uh, I'm not even just going to give you a resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And it's like, whoo, you were supposed to get chills at that point. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die because there's some death in our life, folks. There's some things that we die that, that we wish wouldn't and they hurt and you're in the valley and you're struggling and God's not trying to paint some super religious picture. He's saying there's some things in your life that are gonna die, it's gonna hurt. But even though there is death in your life, I want you to know something. I am the resurrection and the life. And then he goes out and he raises Lazarus from the dead. And then a few days later, he's crucified on the cross. Nobody gets it. And they go and they look and there's an empty tomb and he's risen and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, that means there's resurrection life for every one of you. Yes, that would be the good time. And here's what I don't want you to get. I don't want you to get to think, yeah, yeah, you know, I get to go to heaven. Because that's what Martha, the mistake that Martha made. Yes, that's true, but that's missing the whole point of this passage. He says, I am. I'm the person I bring into every situation. Remember, I'm with you. I bring into every situation the resurrection power of God for you. Because you are with me. So every time when you had cancer, it was, I am the resurrection. Every time your finances are in struggle, you say, I am the resurrection and the life because he is with you. Now, I know that this might seem too big, but I think because of the resurrection and Jesus' ascension, you can take this phrase to the bank. Because of that, everything is going to be okay. And that is what God wants to work in you, stir in you, build in you, help you to understand. That's what he wants to be in you. That because of the resurrection, everything is going to be okay. And you understand, right? That doesn't mean that everything will turn out well. That when you go through the valley, I am with you. Why don't you give him a cheer for that? All right, so how do we activate that in our life? I'm going to spend the next little while being hopefully super practical for you to say we, we want to take that from being something that is, is, uh, is a truth to really have it become inside of it. So we're going to internalize it. And uh, we are going to take that thing and we're going to prioritize it. So how do you internalize it? How do you really make that thing happen in your life? I'll, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of things that we internalize in a whole bunch of different ways. I can internalize my weaknesses. I can internalize the problems that I have in my life. I can look around at the reality that I see and I can let that become the thing that sinks into my heart. I, I remember with, <laughs> there's this guy that I used to know, he's moved away since, and, and he... He was the world's worst passenger. And it wasn't that he was, it wasn't like that he was, 
your GPS telling you what to go, that part was irritating, but you could get over that, is every time like a semi would come up beside you, he would scream like a little girl. And like, and he was just like, don't look at your spouse, some of you right now. That is not the way this is supposed to go. And, or, and, and he would, like, or another car would come and he would just yell and grab a hold of stuff. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with you, man? Like, and, he, and it was really, really, it was like some of you do that, I get that, right? But this was like a whole next level he had going on. And I said, okay, come on, like what's going on? He says, you know what, I had a car accident at one point in my life. And every time something like that comes close now, I actually physically in my mind see like carnage and wrecked metal and blood and everything going, oh, that's bad. So he moved away somewhere and he died in a horrible car accident. No, 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 I'm kidding. (laughs) No, he didn't. (laughs) That was bad, wasn't it? He, he just had that thing going on. You know why he had that going on? I, I bet almost everybody in this room has been in a car accident. Right? It, it happens to us. But what are you going to internalize in your life? And yeah, you know, there are times we have to get over that. Every, after you've been in an accident, you probably have to drive and you have to sort of get used to it again and everything. But what are you letting in? What are you internalizing in your life? Because how you internalize things actually dictates how you live. And what God is wanting you to internalize is, I am with you. And that's what changes everything. See, really practically, there there are ways that God does this. If you're lonely in your life, and some of you, I've talked to many people who say, you know, when they're single, they're lonely. Um, Maybe other people who are lonely is they just don't have somebody who that they really feel like they can share their deepest stuff with and you, you feel a loneliness in your heart. And, and the pandemic has been brutal for this. Folks, I know that. Is we've all felt some of that loneliness, that ache that we have inside of us. If God says, I am with you, how we begin to internalize that is that God says, you know what? It's actually not good for us to be alone. In Psalm 16, it says, your presence fills me with joy. So how do you do that in your life? If God is present all the time, that means that I can talk to him all the time. And, and I think, though, you know, when I was younger, we couldn't do this. But now that we have cell phones and everybody's talking, like, with their buds in and everything like that, you can talk out loud all the time, and nobody's going to think you're nuts, Right? I was, I was walking by somebody. I was very sure they were talking to me, but no, they were talking to somebody else. I was in a public stall and somebody was talking to me. I was like, no, actually, they were just talking to the person on the phone, right? You can do it anywhere and you're okay. And in the middle of your conversation, in the middle of life, God, this is what I'm feeling. This is the situation in my life. What do I do? God, I'm struggling with this. And in everything that you begin to do, how you internalize his presence when you're lonely is by talking with him, is by allowing him to become part of your conversation. How do you do that? That's individual, I get that, but it's part of what God has for you. When you're worrying, and, and your worrying is, is really become that whole imagination thing where you begin to think about all the terrible things that could possibly happen, which will never happen, by the way, Right? And you, that's what worry mostly is. It's the bad side of your imagination, coupling with fear and telling you squirrely things. 
and you begin to think like that and you begin. So how does God's presence, how the fact that God is present change worry? If God is your companion when you're lonely, he is your confidence when you're worried. You can be overwhelmed by a lot of things, but David said, even though I walk through the valley of shadow, I won't be afraid for you are close beside me. God is walking with you, and because of that, I actually don't have to think about all those other things. I can think about him here. And and I think for me, when I'm worried or I'm not sure about what to do next, this is sort of like super simple, but I patiently begin to take one step at a time to move toward the last thing that God told me to do. Because most of the time what worry does is it immobilizes us, right? But when God's with you, you don't have to worry and you can begin to take one step. Like the other way is to just run wildly off in any direction, (laughs) generally not helpful, but to patiently take a step toward the thing that God has called you to do. And I am with you. Isn't it really great that even if you go in the wrong direction, God still goes with you? So start to move. He's got you. I am with you. And you can walk that way. You know, I think I told you, if those of you heard last time that I spoke, I told you about Anatoly and his mom who was a pastor right on the Russia-Ukraine border where some of the worst stuff was happening. Probably one of the darkest places around before the war. And he was chronicling his whole series of going through stuff with his mom. And, and he said, I know what she's doing right now, even though I, I can't even though I can't get to her, she's praising God because she learned how to internalize that stuff. I want to tell you the end of the story. The end of the story is this, is that they eventually, after how long has the war been going on, finally found a way out. And he, got, he actually went into the Ukraine, got connected with his mom, who's a pastor there. And, and this is kind of what his post said. Is he said, you know what, there's a whole bunch of things that I could tell you about what God did. There's too many to write down. Uh, there was no food or water. Miraculously, God, it was supernatural provision of food and water would begin to show up on their doorstep for the people that they were with and for who they were. There was a protection that all the apartments around them, the windows were blown out. And you've, if you watch the news, you've seen this, right? Complete carnage. But their apartment... All the windows were kept and safe. And they said there's, there's this whole chance they had to talk to people. People in their building uh, became to, came to know the Lord. They got a chance to minister and to be joy in the middle of absolute hell. And they said some of the most amazing times happened where they literally could hear missiles flying over their heads and there was, there was gun battle in the streets and the little small group got together and they began to worship. And, and here's what I want you to think, guys. What are you going to internalize? The bombs? The gun battle? We, we can't imagine, can we? And that little church that Anatoly's mom led said, we had some of the coolest times of worship because it's like, and, and I don't know how you would experience this, but it's like God's presence just kind of came down in a, like a tangible, palatable way. And he was like, there 
and you are with me. God wants you to internalize those things because he is your resurrection and your life. And none of that is about circumstances. Amen? Second thing is this. Is along with internalizing it, there's some things that we need to prioritize in order for this to really kind of sink in and for us to get this. And and I was thinking of a whole bunch of different ways that I could do this, but I want to explain it to you this way. And, And this story may have been enhanced in order to make a point. Uh, Pastor Steve came to me one day and he said, uh, you know, the guy that you saw doing the child dedication up front here, he said, you know, I'd like to have a little bit of time off. My wife wants to go be in this movie and they like to be an extra. And, you know, I I love the way us guys go, yeah, it's my wife. It's the woman you gave me, you know. (laughs) And so I said, sure, yeah, go, you know, whatever, sounds sounds cool. And I don't know if any of you have seen The Porter, which was actually shot in Winnipeg. And it's this um, really amazing series about the black community and the struggles that they had and everything like that. And actually, the house scenes were shot in the house where my son lives. And uh, they, what they did is they, they asked if we could take over their house for all summer. They kicked them out, redid the whole house, and paid them for not living in their house, which worked really good for my son because he was off in the bush anyways. So I thought, he gets paid for doing that. I think, this, I have one of those. If you have any of those kids that everything just works out for? Is it like exactly like that for him? So he gets paid, his house gets, re, gets renovated, it was perfect. So they're shooting this movie, and so I, as, I, as I was talking to Pastor Steve, he was like an extra in the movie, and then all of a sudden he was saying it was my movie, and I'm thinking, really? It was your movie? So I got the clip of Pastor Steve that you can see, you're like, whose movie is it kind of thing. Take a look up here. I thought you were on the last one in. I have some business. Oh, oh, did you blink? Did you blink? You might have missed it. Okay, let's do it again. Do the second one. This time we'll slow it down and enhance it. So you can see. Go ahead. Okay, here's the main characters, the people who the movie's really about. Oh, look, look at the back, look at the back. Sun is looking fantastic again. And Steve? Woo! Just about tripped over that stair, but he made it. (laughs) So here's what, what I want you to think about. In your life, whose story is it? You see, it's God's movie from beginning to end. The whole Bible is about God's stories, how he's working. Now, what he has done for you is he has allowed you to have a part in it. And it's, that was like too long even your part, right? When you think of all of the history of what God has done and how he's taken his people and he's done all this stuff, and here's what we do sometimes, and I'm going to tell you straight, we make it all about ourselves, and it's his story, because our culture is pushing everything to be about us and what we want and how we want it and make it happen, and there's this huge push happening around to make it about ourselves. And we need to prioritize in our life, whose story is this really about? Isn't it amazing that I get to be in God's movie? (laughs) The little bit that he trusts me with, I am completely not trustworthy. I would trip over that stair every time. And God says, that's okay. Because I want you in my movie. 
I want you to be a part of what I'm doing, but I don't want you ever to get confused whose story it is. It's his story. You know, Isaiah 26, verse 3 says this, when the children of Israel got it right, Isaiah got it right, he says, we wait for you for your name and your renown are the desires of our soul. If you want to get to that place where you go through the valley and you're okay, this is one of the most important things you're going to get. Is when it becomes about God and what he's doing and his story and how he's going to make it happen, all of a sudden everything falls into place. If you make it about yourself, you're going to be super frustrated with your life. Because it was never meant to be about you. It was always meant to be about him. And you get to be part of it. You see, heaven isn't about my mansion living, to, living forever and not having pain. It's about every tribe, every tongue, every nation praising God and understanding who he is. The cross isn't about the fact that Jesus loves me and he died for me so my sins won't be held against me. It's that, but... It's that he died for all humanity so they could all be saved, so we could bring people into this place where we could give him glory. See, the church isn't for me. And I could say, man, I like that worship song. That was so good. And did you see the background? You know, I know they're doing Easter stuff back, so they put these Jedi things back here. You know, that's sort of cool. Or, yeah, I don't know, I like that song so much. And that youth pastor guy, isn't he a little old to be a youth pastor? And, and we can, like, is church, is church really about me? I, I, think, I think the challenge is going to come in this season, it has come as we've gone through COVID, to say, are we going to be consumers and make it about us? And I, I want to I talk to you like adults. I, I think there's been a dividing line that's happened over this pandemic to say, am I going to be a consumer or am I going to make it about you, God? I think it's a big challenge that every one of us has to answer in our hearts to say what it is. You know, there's, um, there's a story that I want to share with you that I, I think is, is so pertinent for us today. It's an older story, but take a look up on the screen. There's a missionary couple who did flying resources to the people who were doing unreached people groups like you and I give to at the, at the pie auction. And that was their whole life. They did that most of their life. They raised their kids. And then this happened. We had signed on with New Tribes Mission to work in the Philippines. We loved our work there. Went to bed and before dawn the next morning, there was pounding on the door, bang, bang, bang. And even before Martin got to the door, these three guys with them, 16s, broke the door down. One of them took Martin right out. One of them came over to the bed, lowered his weapon and yelled, go, go, go. So I grabbed clothes and just fled with everybody else to a waiting speedboat down at the dock. And as we pulled away, from the dock, they yelled, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, and that's when we knew who had us. Everybody in the Philippines knows who the Abu Sayyaf are, militant Muslims, and they've declared jihad down there, and we knew we were in big trouble. We would mobile, we would hike 
up and down mountains, through rivers, just hike, 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 hike for days and nights on end, weeks, just totally exhausted. And I thought, you know, I'm just wishing my life away, mm-hmm. um, just hoping to make it through one more day. And week 10, I just had this crisis of faith. If God loved me, I wouldn't be where I was. Martin very gently said to me one day, it's very sad to see you giving up your faith. Seems to me, either you believe it all or you don't believe it at all. Mm. You need to decide what you believe. And we started to go through the scriptures. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Um, When you go through the fire, I'll be with you. The promises of God, we just started hanging on to those. And it changed my heart. And as I made some decisions about who God was in my life, my heart started to change. Martin would always tell me, Gracia, if and when you get out of here, your children are going to need their mother back. They're not going to need their mother without her mind. And they're not going to need a bitter mother. You keep yourself together. That's what he would say to me. There was this gun battle, just, you know, no selective gunfire, I'm sorry to say. There never was. And um, I was immediately shot in the leg, and Martin just was shot as well and just lay there. The Abu Sayyaf retreated down the river, and the military came over the hill and drug me to the top of the hill, and I looked back at Martin, and he was white, and that's when I knew he was dead. And they called a helicopter, and... It lifted me out of there, and the same God that kept me going for a year, I just knew. I knew He was going to keep me going through life, and He has. He's faithful. (laughs) God's faithful. We've all heard it. I've just seen it in a different way. I am the resurrection and the life even when you go through the valley of the shadow of death I am with you amen amen Amen. why don't you stand if you wouldn't mind bowing your heads closing your eyes we're going to take just a minute and I really believe that the challenge for today was God, what, who do you want to become in me? And, and we're going to take just a moment, and I understand this, isn't, this, is, um, this is quick, but I, I believe that God can speak to you right now, whether you're online or you're here in the building. And, and I'm just going to be quiet, and God, what is it that you want to become to us? Because you're always present. Take a moment and, and just allow yourself to be in his presence.
Father, I thank you for who you are and that you are constantly at work in us and that there are things that you want to reveal to us as, as, as Church of the Rock, as, as the people who are part of this house. And, and Lord, I thank you, even though that was really quick, that throughout the days and weeks that you're going to be talking to your kids, you're going to be showing them what it is that you want to become for them in this next season. I thank you that you are always with us. Just keeping that attitude of focus on the Lord. Please don't look around. I want to give you a chance, whether you're online or whether you are in the room. If you're online, there's a little hand that's going to pop up. You can press that in the room. Would you raise your hand right now if, you want, if you're in that place where you need to make that decision to accept Jesus as Lord of your life, as the leader of your life? And, and I know that many of you have. And I haven't asked where you're having a bad week or you've done some bad things wrong. It's like, do I need to make that decision? Or maybe you have made that decision at one point and you've completely fallen away and you need to get back there. Without anybody looking around, just raise your hand up. Online, you can push that, that hand. Thank you. Yeah, I see that hand. You can put it down. That's awesome. Anybody else want to join them? Yep, thank you in the back. That's great. Okay, here's what we're doing. We're going to pray a prayer together. I'd like you to just pray this out because part of it is going to be a declaration and whether you're online or here, just pray it out with all your heart. Part of it is going to be a declaration to, to speak out that God, you are with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died, that he rose again, and that resurrection power is what I live in. Today I give you leadership of my life. Today I believe that you are with me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand? Thank you, God. Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app. 